News Network. When the leader of the free world is better at backing up than he is at looking forward. When the courts won't hear the truth. When a sitting congressperson openly calls for violence. Where do you turn for clarity? You turn to the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Well, truth today is all around us. We just got to find it. And sadly, we have some truth to report to you that isn't pleasant. Our lead story in today's show is going to be about a warning issued overnight to anybody and everybody around the Kabul airport. It, uh, it was reported that there was going to be or possibly could be a, um, some kind of disaster, explosion, suicide bomber, something like that. We've been informed that just moments ago, that's exactly what happened. We do not have details yet, but there has been an explosion at the Kabul airport, uh, just outside the Hamid Karzai International Airport. One official says there are injuries among Afghans, none reported yet among Americans, but there's no information yet. Pentagon spokesperson Admiral John Kirby confirmed this explosion did happen outside of the airport. We can confirm the explosion. Casualties are unclear at this time, he said. We'll provide additional details when we can. So we're going to keep our eyes on this evolving story and we'll just keep our fingers crossed that uh, nobody got killed or injured badly in this particular thing. It is unconscionable to me that this is going on and it involves United States American citizens and we hear this constant diatribe of, oh, we warned them and here's what we're doing and we're, we've gotten this done. And that's coming from our White House, of course. Folks, the people in the White House have no concept of what's going on. During this show today, we're going to weigh into this. We have a lot of things to discuss. There is a lot of information that we're able to get our hands-on today that, uh, i got to be honest with you, four or five years ago was impossible, the way the media always worked. But throughout the four years of the Trump administration, the American media learned that Americans aren't stupid. Americans are hungry. Americans want and have the ability to digest truth, regardless if it's good or bad. And we don't need a bunch of political hacks on the air after they give us a news story, then telling us what that news story actually means. We're not stupid. Americans get it. We get the media. We get our government. We get Democrats. We get Republicans. And we get the far left. We get the policies that we as Americans have to live under that those 535 sycophants that find themselves in control of our lives in Congress and make all the laws... Well, maybe not all of them. Joe Biden's got his pen. 65 or so executive orders bypassing the constitutional lawmaking body of this government, the U.S. Constitution. And he just goes out and changes laws, adds laws, deletes laws, willy-nilly. His Remain in Mexico cancellation. The United States Supreme Court slapped him on the hand and said, you can't do that. And you know what was, it was almost funny what the opinion that came out of the Supreme Court with that ruling was, look, 
That program was working under the Trump administration. It was working. It was stopping a bunch of illegalities that were happening at the southern border. And you, Mr. Biden, Mr. President, by canceling that program, you put Americans in harm ways needlessly. And so the Supreme Court popped him for that. Can you believe? Can you believe? We live in an era when we have a president that has no concept of what he committed he was going to do when he took his oath of office. Protect and defend the people of the United States and the United States Constitution, which is built around the framework of one thing, the rule of law. And this administration, this president, stamps every day all over the rule of law. You may have heard a ding in the background just a moment ago. Again, we're monitoring all of the information about that blast that occurred at the Kabul airport. And uh, we're watching for updates. Uh, still no, no more recent update. In the meantime, why don't we get started? First of all, at any time, when you want to weigh in here, if you want to make a comment, if you want to ask a question, please come on in. Toll free, 866-37-TRUTH. That's 866-378-7884. Now, that travel warning we told you about that was issued overnight by the State Department, it warned people that were in and around Kabul to stay away from the airport. The U.K. got the word, not the U.S., but the U.K. got the word of that and passed it along to us, and it came originally to us from British Armed Forces Minister James Heapy. And he said that the credibility of the intelligence about this uh, attack or terror suicide attack that was going to happen was very credible. In fact, his term was more likely than unlikely. Did you pick up anything in what I just said? This is the part that just fries me. The British Armed Forces Minister got that piece of intelligence, and we didn't have it. Why would the British get it first if we didn't? We supposedly, we're told almost every day, we have the greatest intelligence infrastructure on planet Earth. And the Brits are telling us about imminent danger that our intelligence community didn't even have any info about. Or if they did, they didn't share it. And I'm not so sure that the second part of that's not the truth. The intelligence community has totally failed America throughout at least the last four years. They turned into nothing but a political arm of the Democrat Party during the Trump administration. They propagated, promoted, put together, propped it up, kept it going. The Russia collusion hoax, which is exactly what we were told up front by guess who? Donald Trump. And the Democrats' favorite son, Robert Mueller, tried with 50 million U.S. taxpayer dollars and 20 in-the-tank Democrat investigative attorneys on his staff. They had subpoena powers, subpoenaed 400 people, millions of pages of documents, had testimony from over 200, and did not find any Russia collusion, any involvement on the part of Donald Trump with the Russian government. That's the people that did not get the news overnight that there was a very credible threat 
of a terrorist attack at the Kabul airport. The Brits got it. We were too busy looking into the January 6th riot stuff. According to Representative Adam Schiff out of California, he made a big announcement yesterday. And of course, you know if Adam Schiff makes a big announcement about anything, it's got to include Donald Trump. And he said, quote, we are going to subpoena Donald Trump to appear before this select committee investigating those responsible for the January 6th riot, the attacks on the Capitol and all of the 535 members of Congress. They're too busy to do that to keep America safe. They're scared. I almost used the S word there, but I'm so glad I didn't. They're scared to death that Donald Trump's coming back to D.C. And it's not so much that, you know, I, I think Donald Trump could really turn us around again if they just leave him alone. I don't think they would ever leave him alone. I don't. I don't see why he wants to take another run at this thing because they are never going to leave him alone. He doesn't need the job. I mean, he's got a lot of money. He proved to America and the rest of the world what he could do. And he was always thought before he was inaugurated that he was just a braggadocious uh, television stud, a billionaire. That's all the world thought he, he could do. And then he showed everybody how bad, how horrible politics in the U.S. were. I mean, it is what it is, folks. And they're up there doing this. They're up there looking into the January 6th riot. A committee appointed by Nancy Pelosi. They're going to find the facts. The FBI folks with thousands of of investigation people in place already, an infrastructure that has access to the latest technology. And they have been investigating this thing, and they arrested almost 500 people that were allegedly involved in it. And they're prosecuting them. People are already in jail from that. And Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi think they can do a better job? No, what Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi are up to has nothing to do with the rule of law or with the January 6th riot. It has to do with Adam Schiff's 24-7, 365 days a year obsession with Donald Trump. And all of this is happening. And you and I are not only paying in real money for all of this, we're paying for lost leadership for all of these Democrats in D.C. holding up a process of building America, really building it, not the Joe Biden style, but really building America after a, and it was a fraudulently foisted pandemic on us that shut down the nation. And they're still doing it. We're going to get into that in our second hour today, folks. We've got some COVID-19 information, some news. It's going to blow your mind. It's so egregious, I didn't believe it. I actually went to the source myself yesterday, and I have the documents in hand we're going to share with you. Make sure, if you can't 
catch the whole two hours that you get the second hour. It's going to blow your mind. Every nation on earth is involved in it. Every single nation has been lied to. Leaders in every nation, including ours, and citizens in every nation have been lied to having to do with COVID-19. That's all ahead. Now, the apology tour has already begun at the top of our government. What are they apologizing about, Dan? Well, this mess in Afghanistan, for starters, that's what's dominating all the news. During a portion of an interview on CBS Evening News, the acting ambassador to Afghanistan, a guy named Ross Wilson, never heard of him. He said in this interview that despite warnings months ago for Americans to leave Afghanistan, people chose not to leave. That's their business, he said. That's their right. We regret now that many may find themselves in a position that they would rather not be in, and we're determined to try to help them. Now, let me put let me put this whole mindset in in context. We've heard every body that gets up in front of a microphone or a television camera and talking about this Afghanistan thing. I'm talking about people in our government that are being interviewed. And have you noticed that every one of them will go back to that fallback line? People chose not to leave. People didn't listen to us. Folks, let me tell you this. I look back in history. I can think of at least a dozen different instances where the United States federal government would just pull Americans out of particular countries in some nasty circumstances, and they didn't go ask these people, hey, we think something bad's going to happen. Do you want to come out? Do you want us to help you get out? I never, never have seen that happen. Maybe it has, but I would think it would make big-time news if it did. And there has been and still is a lie that is perpetrated from Jen Psaki at White House briefings uh, to the Secretary of Defense and to the Secretary of State. Listen to this lie. We don't have any idea how many Americans are in Pakistan, Afghanistan, and where they are in Afghanistan. We have no idea because they don't have to when they go in, uh, we know they're going in. We don't know how long they're going to be. We don't know where they are, and they don't have to report into us. Listen to what their law says. The State Department, if you want to go to Afghanistan, there are two things you have to do. Number one, you have to contact our State Department if you're a U.S. citizen, and you have to apply for an a, a visa of some particular sort. And our State Department is the one that issues that. Secondly, through our State Department, you have to apply for an entry visa from the Afghanistan government. And guess what is required in both of those pieces, both of those visa applications? You have to provide copies of your round-trip airfare. And guess what those have? They have specific dates and times and the airlines. Secondly, you have to provide fill out forms where you're going to be staying, address, the times you're going to be there, 
The times you're going to leave, obviously, is confirmed by your plane ticket. And any movement that you make outside of what's on your visa, the host government has to have that so they know where you are. It's not just for Afghanistan. Of course, now everything has changed about going to and getting from Afghanistan. If you're American, all of that is off. But folks, what I'm telling you, Antony Blinken, Secretary of State, his office, they know exactly how many Americans are in Afghanistan, where they're located, where they've been, how long they've been there, and when they were planning to leave. They are not calling people up and haven't been for months, as this interim ambassador just said, Ross Wilson. We told them, and they chose not to leave. And we don't know where they are. The numbers we heard were staggering. Initially, it started at like 20,000 Americans. Then it went to 15,000. Then it went to 10. And now we understand that it was originally, they are saying, close to 5,000, and there are 1,500 left. I call BS. Let me tell you about this administration. If you haven't seen this, if you haven't watched, and if you don't come to the same conclusion that I do, please call us and tell us how you got to your conclusion and what it is. They are scared to death that a bunch of Americans are going to get hooked up staying there. And they and the world, all of us, everybody in the world that has access to a computer or a television, um, we're going to watch as they execute Americans live and broadcast it around the world. They are petrified that's going to happen. And they don't want us to know the facts. Every day, every day on even CNN and MSNBC and all the three of the broadcast news networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, and of course cable news, Fox News, we're seeing and hearing Americans that are stranded in Afghanistan. They're calling their friends, relatives, news people. They're members of Congress that represent them back in the United States. And they're talking about how they are struggling to get out of Afghanistan. And this government is feckless. Now, let me tell you something you probably don't remember. Do you remember the horrors that happened in Benghazi, Benghazi, Libya? You remember when all that took place 10 years ago or so? You remember everything that was covered up in the Obama administration? You know, they made it. They put it out there that that Benghazi attack on our consulate there and the killing of those Americans, including the Libya, our uh, ambassador to Libya, all of that was because of a uprising by the Libyan people over a video, a movie about Libya and about Islam that was released in the United States. All of that was a propagated lie. It was endorsed by our government. The National Security Advisor at the time went on seven Sunday morning news shows and put that story out there to make it be, we're innocent. They, they were just some, some mad Islamists. And they just went around and look what they did. They were taking it out on us, on, only to find out later that whole thing was a cover-up, folks, 
of what the Obama administration was doing. They told us we were giving guns to some Syria rebels that were trying their best to take out the Syrian government of Bashar Assad. Bashar Assad, if you remember on his watch, he was killing. I mean, there was a purging of Syrian people using gas, chemical weapons on his own people. None of that was true. What was true, we were giving weapons away, big-time weapons we were giving away. Who was the Secretary of State then? Hillary Clinton. Who was the leader of the military at that point on Earth at that time? The current Secretary of Defense. And who was number two in the State Department at that time? Antony Blinken our current Secretary of State, all of these people were involved in that and were involved in the cover-up that was revealed in congressional hearings and nothing was done to anybody. Nobody paid a price for any of that. We're looking at the same type of situation happening again right now in Afghanistan. And guess who's going to pay the price? The American people. And a bunch of innocent Afghanis are going to as well. This is just this is just insane, folks. I cannot believe this is happening to the United States of America. And it's not just Republicans, folks. It's not just people like me that are looking in and are throwing darts at a wall, hoping I hit a target, a bullseye with one of my darts I'm throwing for truth. No, the truth is the biggest circle on the wall in our studio here. And it's everywhere. And they're being exposed. Biden's favorability or trust rating about what he's doing and leading us to do and not to do in Afghanistan, it's close to being in single digits. Three U.S. troops injured in Kabul. Second attack right now near a hotel. It's ongoing. It's going on right now, folks. And this is happening on Joe Biden's watch. Everything, every single part of this thing, militarily, intelligence, politically, every piece of it has been being handled wrong since he became the president of the United States. This did not have to happen, and it's not over yet. Even Democrats in Congress are pessimistic about this job that's going on. Here's Democrat Congresswoman Houlihan talking about this and about the Americans that are stranded. Congresswoman, what is your confidence level that the U.S. can get everyone out of Afghanistan that we want to get out by August 31st? I would assess that as being pretty low. Uh, I think if you do the math, just simple math about how many people we believe that we need to be successful at extracting, whether our own people or those who have helped us, uh, six days from now, we aren't able to accomplish that number of people. So I'm, I'm a little bit uh, less than optimistic about that, that, uh, that particular date certain. 
Uh, but I do think that it's, it is worrisome, as we talked about just now, that we probably won't be able to accomplish the mission of leaving no one behind uh, with the timelines that we have. And so uh, I think that the atmosphere and the mood within the um, meeting was bipartisanly one of encouraging the president to reconsider that date. Democrat Congresswoman, not very confident we're going to be able to get everybody out. I just got another update from what's going on this morning. Explosion, a second one in Kabul, happened close to a hotel, and it's been reported there are American casualties. Wow. We're watching it. We'll keep our eye on it. Meanwhile, let's just move on and talk about some important stuff like uh, what a former... What are former people in the military? What are they saying about this? Former NATO Supreme Allied Commander Admiral James Stavridis, he sounded off on Afghanistan's fall to the Taliban after our withdrawal of troops. He said yesterday that the U.S. has lost this conflict already with Afghanistan. He emphasized the importance of not allowing Afghanistan to become an ungoverned space. Well... He said, as we say in North Florida, sometimes you have to know the difference between quitting and getting beat. And what I mean by that is we have to go to recognize that in this case, we have lost this conflict. Great break, therefore. We need to be thinking ahead on what we do that's in our interest. That's why I was encouraged, extremely so, to see Ambassador Bill Burns. You know, look in a dictionary under diplomat. That's his picture go to negotiate with the Taliban. We need to think about how we can come in over the horizon if we need to. There are practical things we may need to continue to do militarily, intelligence gathering, all of those kinds of things. So it's correct to say getting these Afghan partners out is a part of salving the wounds of Afghan veterans. Another big part, he said, is making sure that going forward we ensure America's safety. We don't allow this to become an ungoverned space. We don't allow another 9-11, and we do that if we have to from over the horizon. We do it with the combination of diplomacy, economic incentives, militarily if we need it. We've still got a big job ahead in Afghanistan. The game has changed, and we've got to change with it. Now remember, this is a former NATO Supreme Allied Commander, an admiral kind of knows what he's talking about because he obviously has been in conflicts before. Why wouldn't this administration listen to people that are not those generals and admirals that sit in offices and they smoke cigars and they think about their political lives that are ahead and what they're going to do and all that? We need to be speaking to the people that are in charge that are officers in our military, but the ones that are down line, downstream, the ones where the rubber meets the road. You understand what I'm talking about? Joe Biden, he basically rips into anybody that doesn't support him politically. Have you noticed that? It doesn't matter what it's about, the conversation is about. It doesn't matter what's at stake in the circumstances and the details or in context ever. If you say something that is contrary to the drivel that Biden has put out there publicly, 
you're a bad person. You're immediately painted. You're marked. You've got a bullseye on your back. Have you heard the name Sami Sadat? Well, Major General Sami Sadat commanded 15,000 troops fighting the Taliban, leading the Afghan army. Major General Sami Sadat. He said he lost hundreds of officers in an army, the Afghani army, that counted 66,000 dead in total. He said they were hit by up to seven car bombs a day. And in a fury-filled essay, he took our president to task. He said Biden's withdrawal announcement triggered defeat for the Americans and the Afghanis in Afghanistan. He said that's when everything started to go downhill. If the army lost its fight, he said, it was because of Biden's disrespect and disloyalty. You remember Biden stood up there and said, well, we thought we had everything handled. We'd put all kind of money, all kind of training into the Afghani army And they just, when Taliban rolled in, they just put their guns down and just rolled over and played dead. And I'm paraphrasing what Biden said, but in context, that's exactly what he said. Afghan armed forces lost 66,000 people in 20 years of fighting. It doesn't sound to me like anybody rolled over and played dead. Once again, you disagree with Biden, you cross Biden, You're in his doghouse and you never get out. In fact, the White House, every day in these press briefings that Jen Psaki runs, they're looking for applause. They're looking for people to say, attaboys, for what they've done with this failed and unexplainable evacuation. The Biden administration focusing on the specifics of this thing. You know, this thing. It encompasses flying thousands of evacuees out of the country on short notice. Framing this operation as overperforming historic standards and defying expectation. Those are their terms. Overperforming of historic standards and defying expectations. I don't know a single human being that has looked at this from the beginning and would say that they are overachieving and there are defying expectations in what they've done. In fact, the numbers, as I told you, 24% say he's doing okay in this. Just 24%. The White House even compared the evacuation to the Berlin airlift post-war World War II. We are moving thousands of people every day, they said, out of Afghanistan and to safety in what is one of the biggest airlifts in world history. Saki said that from the podium at the White House press briefing room yesterday. For the apologist for Biden's, the evacuation resembles a truly concrete achievement and underscores a new reality that deserves broader recognition After taking heaps of criticism over the collapse of Kabul, the president now has a success story to tell. 
That's from Politico. <laughs> what are they? They're the glad handers and the slap on the backers for whoever, whatever, whichever Democrats in power. Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klein, he tweeted evacuation numbers nearly every day this week, ignoring the policies that drove the country to collapse, even as thousands of Americans and other potential evacuees are stranded. And that's a term that it's an insult, according to Jen Psaki, for you to even say. And she's talking to these people. You heard us play yesterday two audio sound bites, one from an Afghanistan man and one from America that is stuck over there with his family, and both of them use the term stranded. And according to Saki, it's insensitive for them to use the word stranded <laughs> coming from the people that are stranded over there. Boyd by the evacuation numbers, aides and allies have begun to make the case that the White House's accomplishments should get more credit and attention. They've noted that the evacuation figures exceed the estimates the administration initially put out and that the press corps said was possible. Senator Chris Murphy, oh my gosh, he he lives in a la-la land world. He's a Democrat from Connecticut, a very wealthy guy. You see him all the time, and he's out there in the tank for every far-left Democratic cause. He applauded the results of the evacuation. In fact, it didn't take two weeks to evacuate 50,000. It only took 10 days. Lots of work still to do, he said, but it might be time for a bit of a reassessment by the media of this operation given the actual results. 50,000, he said. 50,000 is the number that they gave us. I watched overnight as planes were leaving from the Kabul airport. One of them that holds 376 people had less than a dozen people on board. How many of these quote-unquote 50,000 people are actually Americans? Most of them, folks, are Afghan refugees. Most of those people, we don't have a clue who they are. We don't know if they're real or if they're plants. We don't know if they're terrorists or not. We do know factually that a bunch of people that we have gotten out when the biometrics research identification process was used, when they got to that first leg, wherever it was going to Qatar or to Germany, we found out they're terrorists. This is actually a copy in some ways, in some respects, of what the Biden administration is doing at our southern border, just basically letting anybody in that wants to come in with no concept of who it is. We don't know what diseases they're bringing. We don't know what on their backs they're bringing in the way of massive criminal activity that they've been involved with. Much of we're finding out when they get here and get arrested here and they're checked out. They committed a lot of these crimes when they were here illegally before they got deported and are coming back in. And then there's the sex trafficking, the human trafficking, and the biggest thing, and it's probably the least thing that's talked about, is illegal drugs. There has been enough fentanyl that has been caught at our southern border. These drug traffickers coming in with fentanyl. There has been enough fentanyl that we have caught 
to kill every American in our country. And just imagine how much we didn't catch, how much got through. Nobody wants to talk about this. It's all about, hey, look at the shiny things. Don't get into the substance of anything. Don't worry about anything that we don't tell you to worry about. Just shut up, sit down, and listen to us. We got this. You don't need to trouble yourself with all this crud. We'll tell you when it's time to worry. After all, my name is Joe Biden. I'm president of the United States, and I'm from Delaware. It's almost like almost like the movie Ten Commandments. So it is said, so let it be done. We're going to take a short break. During the break, we'll get you the latest news out of Kabul. We do know, however, as we go to break, we do have American casualties. We are here asking people from all over what they think of lifting green tea. Let's hear what people from Texas have to say. Mm-mm. How about China? Mm. Germany? Mm. How about people from the North Pole? Mm. Or Mars? What about mimes? Oh, right. People with their jaws wired shut? Oh. Yeah, a barbershop quartet. Mm. Mm. Oh, you guys are great. How about race car drivers? Mm. What about you, high school glee club, here on a field trip? Well, that settles it. It sounds like everyone loves the taste of Lipton green tea. With its protective antioxidants from real tea, it's not just good for you, it's mmm to you. Lipton tea can do that. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now or later, because these Staples Everyday Price Cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These Everyday Price Cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing Everyday Price Cuts. Thank you. George Orwell said freedom is the right to tell someone what they don't want to hear. Today, that's called the truth. At truthnewsnet.org. Here's Dan Newman. Let me just put it succinctly. Anybody that comes here, anybody that is a partner at Truth News Network, anybody listening to TNN Live, anybody that's reading, because you are here doesn't mean that we have any kind of unilateral authority 
to tell you what to think. It's not the same, and it's sad that that's not the feeling that permeates throughout today's media, not just in the U.S., but around the world, but it, that, that's exactly the way it is, folks. The expectations by most people in media are simply this. When we say it, that's, that's truth. That's the way it is. And if you don't believe us, there's something wrong with you, not us, not with the information we're giving you, even when we're wrong, and of course we very seldom will ever come back and admit that we were wrong. In case you weren't here earlier, just as we went live, it was reported there was an explosion just outside Kabul airport. As a matter of fact, since there have been multiple explosions, and there are a number of Afghani casualties, we've been told that three members of the U.S. military have been injured. Three U.S. Maroon, uh, Marines were injured. And uh, we're keeping... We're keeping an eye on it throughout the show, of course. We'll have any updates for that, and I'm sure we'll have a bunch of them in the next few hours. Going back to where this president is on this, it's almost become comical because every day he comes out and does a short speech of some kind. He may take a few questions. Most of the times he doesn't. But it's amazing to watch people, even CNN and MSNBC, right after the president speaks, they'll come on and give a list of things that he said that weren't true, things many of which are just flat-out lies. And this is resonating. A president doing this, there are always political hacks out there that no matter what a president says, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican, it makes no difference, they're going to say you're not telling the truth or you're not giving us all the facts, or what you said is unsubstantiated and all that. But folks, Americans now, we are seeing enough for ourselves and enough for our own to know that something's wrong. Yesterday, a poll was taken by Politico, folks, which is anything but a conservative bastion of media. Their poll reveals that only 24% of registered voters believe Joe Biden's Afghan withdrawal is going well or even somewhat well. 8% when they were polled, they termed it going very well. 16% somewhat well. 23% not too well. And half of the nation, not well at all. So they were asked, quote, do you believe the U.S. should still withdraw its military presence in Afghanistan? If it means the Taliban regains control of most of Afghanistan, 22% yes, yes, definitely. 25% yes, probably should still withdraw. 17% no, probably should not still withdraw. And 22% no, no, definitely should not still withdraw. Now this poll was conducted over three days. It ended two days ago with 2,000 registered voters. So this is not just a fly-by-night little poll that was taken. This is testing the heart of Americans and what we think. Folks, the number one thing Americans expect from their leader, and it doesn't matter what party that leader's from, is to take care of America and take care of Americans. I mean, when you look at what a president has authority and has the abilities to do in that that very area, 
They are the commander-in-chief of all of our military assets and people in it. They're responsible for that. It's not just a, hey, buddy, you get to be the, the boss of the whole military, and it just stops right there. There is a tremendous amount of responsibility that goes along with it. Have you noticed this guy, Joe Biden? He doesn't want responsibility for anything. He just wants to talk about the good stuff or the things that he wants everybody to believe are going on and calls them the good stuff when the facts say 180 degrees different. Wow. John Kirby, former admiral, he's the uh, the guy that takes all the heat in the press briefings from the Pentagon. And he was confronted yesterday by a Fox reporter. I didn't recognize this Fox reporter, but he just flat out, this reporter just demolished Kirby and humiliated him in this press conference. I want you to hear this, not so much about the fact that Kirby gets humiliated, but the reason for him being confronted by this reporter. John, two days before Kabul fell, you said from that podium, quote, the city is not right now in any imminent threat environment. How could you get that so wrong? In the moment that I said it, Lucas, uh, it was true. Um, and I understand. I've, I've, I've seen the reactions out there on social media to what I said. with Taliban. In the moment that I said it, based on what we knew at the time, uh, it was a true statement. And yes, two days later, things dramatically changed. I readily admit that. Uh, things moved very, very quickly, Lucas. Uh, and, and as you heard the chairman up here just uh, a few days ago say that, you know, that there, was, there wasn't any indication that, you know, that, uh, that, that they had received, uh, that things could evolve as quickly as, as they did. But no indication. Cities have been falling Lucas, all week, every day. Yes, I understand, no. Lucas. I understand. I understand. All I can tell you is, uh, in the moment that I made those remarks, they were accurate. I'm committed 100% to being as truthful and as honest up here and as transparent as I can be. Um, and I'm comfortable uh, that while others may ridicule what I say and, and, and take issue with it, I'm comfortable that what I'm giving you is the best information I have the moment that I have it. And I would hope and understand that people would see that events have did and have continued to evolve very, very quickly there. To Courtney's excellent line of questioning, the, the assessment, uh, the threat is going to change, and it could change literally by the hour. So we're, we're trying to give you the best we can as, and lean as far forward as we can in the moment, but that moment's going to change. You know, the work and file, the rank and file in any organization are only as good as the resources that are provided to them to do their job by whoever's in charge. And I just liken what you just heard. Here's a former admiral, guy at the top in the Navy, John Kirby. It's not like he doesn't know how the military works. It's not like he doesn't know how distribution of information should work to the American people. Listen, we're not, we're not stupid. We understand there are some things that are classified that cannot be discussed, that can't be released or talked about, that include a lot of information about a lot of individuals, a lot of processes that uh, if your enemies find out about, they'll use those against you. That's, we understand that. 
But what we don't understand, and if you heard the very beginning or paid attention to the very beginning of what that reporter was saying, two days before the Taliban took over Kabul, two days before, you told the American people there was not a chance that was going to happen. The Taliban were not going to take over the country of Afghanistan two days before they did. Now put that in the context of what this process was. Here's a guy that is a spokesperson for the Pentagon. That means the heart, the seat of the military of the United States of America, the strongest military on earth. So you would think there would be a lot of information available to anybody that is the person who puts out that information to the media who then put that information out to the American people. In the context of this, the Taliban didn't just show up in Kabul one day. They had, over a period of weeks, devastated and taken over the rest of the country of Afghanistan, 17 provincial capitals along the way. They were doing a pretty darn good job of taking over the country every day. And John Kirby and our other military leaders in the Pentagon, they knew this was going on. So it makes me question even more so, where in the heck in all this scheme of things is the U.S. intelligence committee? Our operation, we have 17 different intelligence agencies. Those are the ones that we know about. And we're told there are probably another handful that we don't even know about. They're secret, 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 secret. What do they exist for? Do they exist totally to feed the politics and the politicians giving them ammunition for them to go after their political foes like we saw happen under John Brennan and James Comey and the other sycophants in the FBI and the Department of Justice during the Obama-Biden eight years at the top of the American government. Is that all they do? This information that we gave you in our first wording when we went online today, when we started this broadcast about there's a very credible threat that there's going to be an attack on the Kabul airport and telling everybody, our State Department reached out and said, all Americans, you need to get away from the airport. That didn't come through any of the American intelligence agencies. It came through the British. Where is the American intelligence community in all of this? Three troops injured, U.S. troops injured, we're told. And there's another obvious, glaring, in-your-face thing coming out of this Afghanistan debacle. Jen Psaki, I would almost call her Biden's information babe, but I can't do that. That's sexist. That would fit what Joe Biden might say with his speckled past, but it's insensitive, so I won't call her that. I'll call her who she is, the White House Media Communications Director. You probably heard this. There are 24 California students, 24 California students and six adults that went with them to visit Afghanistan. These are refugees from Afghanistan that are going back this summer before school started back here in the U.S. 
to visit with family members. Those people are stuck in Afghanistan. 24 students and six parents. So yesterday in the press briefing, Saki was asked if she knew about an L.A. Times report that a group of students and their parents from California's El Cajon Valley School District are currently stranded in Afghanistan. There's that nasty word she doesn't like, stranded. Here's what the reporter asked. The L.A. Times has a story saying that a group of students and their parents are in Afghanistan. Do you have any more information on that? Saki replied, I do not. Who has recently traveled into Afghanistan, she stated. Now, she's asking the reporter about this. This is the person that goes in every day and sits with the President of the United States, which sits, sits with uh, former General Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense, John Kirby, spokesman for the Pentagon, Antony Blinken, Secretary of State, and she didn't know this was even going on. The reporter noted the students and their families were apparently stranded in Afghanistan I don't, I don't know for certain what that's all about. Then she replied, I certainly don't have additional information on that. I know, as our Secretary of State just noted, when he went through a thorough summary of American citizens and our contacts and our focus over the last several days, he gave an update. I'm happy to take that information if there is something more detailed to have. So her response in this briefing, it shocked congressional advocates for the American citizens that were trapped in Kabul. They just assumed. They just assumed. Fox News reported that Representative Darrell Issa, who's a Republican from California, he represents the 50th district of the state where the El Cajon Valley School District is located. He notified the White House. He notified the Pentagon. He notified the State Department days ago what was going on. Jen Psaki said in a previous press briefing to contact the White House with the names of stranded American citizens. And Daryl Issa said, so we did, days ago. Issa's office has been in contact with the citizens who are having incredible difficulty getting past those Taliban checkpoints and getting through the gates of the airport to safety. They've also gotten reports on the ground in Kabul that Americans only have a 24-hour window to get out of the country. ISA said, The State Department has been slow to respond to emergency requests and have to date failed to manage this crisis. In addition, reliable information has been very difficult to get or receive. And let me tell you the the, the absolute idiocracy of this entire thing. When yesterday Saki got up and she was asked that in that press briefing, I happened to be flipping through, I was doing some research for today's show, flipping through just catching the latest news headlines, and I flipped over to Fox News and saw that right when that question was asked. I could not believe her response that I just told you. And here's the reason why I couldn't believe it. Yesterday morning, in our normal early morning research to get updated overnight information that we wanted to bring to you because it was fresh and new and you probably hadn't heard about it, I knew, I knew there were 24 
California students and six adults that accompanied them to Afghanistan that had been there for days trying to get out. I knew that Congressman Issa's office had been in contact with the Pentagon, the State Department, and the White House, giving them information about that. I already knew that. And Jen Psaki, the communications guru for this administration, didn't have a clue. Did not have a clue. That just it just blows my mind. And of course, she makes some very famous statements, does Jen Psaki. She said again yesterday in this same press briefing, U.S. policy is still not to negotiate with terrorists. And she said that with everybody around her in the room when she said it, everybody looking in, listening in. We have heard reports again and again and again, even from the President of the United States, that we are negotiating with the Taliban. The Taliban. The Taliban. Taliban actually means terrorist. <laughs> We're negotiating with terrorists for the lives of United States citizens. We're the United States of America. Let me tell you what should have happened. Very early on when this whole debacle began, even before this mess in Kabul began, when this march across Afghanistan and the uh, departure, the withdrawal of the United States troops from the nation, the whole nation, not just in Kabul, but other places, when that all began to happen. Here's what should have happened. Joe Biden should have reached out to the leader of the Taliban. Maybe he wouldn't do it face-to-face. Maybe it would come through a Secretary of State, kind of like Trump did it. You know, he sent Mike Pompeo. Pompeo met with the Taliban leadership. Trump was involved. There was a conference call in both meetings they had in negotiating this withdrawal thing last year. And by the way, there was a deal in writing that was published. This administration didn't even know about the deal that was published in the details. At the very beginning of this, Biden should have, or any one of his emissaries, should have reached out to the leaders of the Taliban and also the Afghan leader, the president that took off, and told them, we're going to get our American people out of there. And there are other people that we're going to get out of there. And if you in any way mess with us, mess with Americans, any way whatsoever, we're going to blow you to pieces. The bully stood up in the face of the President of the United States and when Joe Biden sent the head of the, the CIA in on Monday very secretly to meet with the Taliban leader, when he did that and he did not go in and tell the Taliban what our demands are and the penalty for not letting us get our people out, when he didn't do that, the Taliban knew. We won. We beat the United States. The president is a coward. And they're just going to let us do what we're going to do, so we're going to tell them what we're going to do. If we want to tell them, we may just do it without telling them. And there's nothing this president 
will do. Nothing. He's doing exactly what he did under Obama. Obama put him in charge of our withdrawal from Iraq. You remember that? Millions of Americans couldn't believe we did it the way that it was done. And Joe bragged about it, just like it's happening right now. Oh, we're doing a great job. We're getting all our people out, and everything's cool. Nothing's happened. All kind of crap has happened, and it's happening every day. Stuff we may never know about because they've got the media in their pockets, too. And the mainstream media, they don't put out anything that makes any Democrat look bad. You know, the truth. When it makes them look bad, they don't put the truth out. They don't even think twice about it. That's just the way they function. Meanwhile, people are dying every day. People are being slaughtered in the streets of Kabul. We've got people that are being told by the State Department one day, hey, don't do anything. An hour or two later, hey, you need to get to the airport. We can't guarantee your security, but you need to get to the airport. If you get here, we're going to get you out of here. Have a great day. People are picking up the phones and calling home. Help us. We're not getting any assistance. None whatsoever. From our State Department. We don't know what to do. So how do you make how do you think this makes us look to the world? Let me give you an example. Who's our number one ally? Well, I think it used to be Israel when Benjamin Netanyahu was a prime minister, maybe not so much there now, probably Britain. Probably Britain, our greatest ally. Nigel Farage, you know the name. He's the former Brexit party leader in the UK. He came out slamming the Biden administration's Afghanistan blunder yesterday, and he argued that the crisis has led his country, Britain, feeling they're betrayed. Under Biden, Farage said that there is no way a British parliament right now would vote for any type of military cooperation with America. Here's exactly what he said. The medium-term problem is the resurgence of international terror, already evidenced that extremist jihadi groups are all over the world, have taken great cheer from what the Taliban have done in Afghanistan and to the U.S. And so if we do find ourselves back engaged, and you know, let's be honest, the last few years, we've not seen major terrorist atrocities in the West. But if they start to happen again, and we start to think, well, how do we go out again and try and stop these cells that are spreading international terror? How can we do it with the Americans? How can we do it with an ally that is treating us with contempt and betrayed us and in the bargain many of our own citizens? He wasn't through. He continued, certainly if a Biden or Harris administration, honestly, there is no way. There is no way a British parliament right now would vote for military cooperation with America led by this administration. And that's a very sad thing to say because since 1917, the U.K. and America have been side-by-side in virtually every major conflict. We've been the closest allies in terms of military action, in terms of intelligence sharing, in terms of culture, in terms of business. You couldn't have a better ally in the world. And right at this moment, I'm sorry, but there's no way we could enter into another operation with you. 
our number one ally on the planet for generations. Basically just came out and said, we're done. We're done. We're going to take care of us. Y'all take care of you. Taking a family of five to the amusement park can cost a small fortune. Oh, yeah. So to save some money, we thought, hey, let's bring the amusement park to us. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Uh, step right up. Step right up, young man. Are you ready to ride the Wacky Waterfall? That's just the bathtub with the shower head running. Nope. It's the Wacky Waterfall. It's the shower, Dad. Waterfall. Wacky. There's an easier way to save. To get a free rate quote, go to Geico.com. Then buy online, over the phone, or at your local Geico office. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding a... Swing! Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you'll get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. An update during the break. A second explosion erupted this morning near the airport in Kabul. It was a suicide bomb. It left at least 13 dead so far, including children. A U.S. official added that American troops were among the wounded. No reports of American casualties, but 13, 13 deaths, including some children. It's hard for Americans to understand the mentality that would mean that was okay to do. Because when these suicide bombers go out, folks, they go out knowing that they're going to try to kill their specific targets, whoever that may be. And they know there's going to be fallout around that, that there are going to be other people injured and other people potentially killed. They don't give a rip if it's kids, if it's women, men. Death is their number one focus. It's hard for Americans, it's hard for me to comprehend what that's all about, understand why anybody would do that. But yet it happens. It happens every day around the world. And I don't see it getting any better anytime soon, and we're sure not 
helping the situation with our government operations. Wow. Some more bad news coming out of Afghanistan. The State Department have detailed five cases where Afghans attempted to use fraudulent American passports to get on flights headed for the U.S. Now, who would be doing this? What would be the purpose? You would think, oh, they're desperate. They just got to get out of that country. Well, after biometric screening of some of these Afghans, they're finding out at least five cases of these fraudulent passports or in people that are known terrorists. It makes you wonder all these other flights that have come out of there. How many terrorists slip by? Just like coming in across the southern border, folks, exactly the same thing. We just don't know. Now, we told you how the Brits are thinking about what we've done and what we've not done over there. What are some of the other people around the world in government thinking about? Anybody talk to Vladimir Putin, see what he thinks? <laughs> Will he wait in overnight? You know how difficult and alarming the situation in Afghanistan currently is, he said at a Congress of the ruling United Russia Party yesterday. He referred to the Taliban terror group's takeover of Afghanistan when it deposed Kabul's U.S.-backed government. We are keeping a close eye on this situation, actively cooperating with our allies in the Collective Security Treaty Organization. The CSTO, that organization, is a regional military alliance of former Soviet republics, and it, of course, is led by Moscow. Naturally, we will not interfere in Afghanistan's domestic affairs. Neither will our armed forces be drawn into this all-against-all conflict. I think this is what is going on there, he said. He then recalled that the conflict in Afghanistan has been smoldering for decades. The former Soviet Union has its own experience in that country. We have learned our lesson. You remember they went in there in Afghanistan, the Russians did, in 1979, supposedly to support the country's then-communist government as it fought against anti-communist Muslim guerrilla groups during their Afghan war. It went from 1978 to 1992. Fifteen years, folks. Earlier this summer, July 5th, he assured Tajikistan's president that Moscow would provide all necessary support to Tajikistan as it confronted a then unfolding security threat from Afghanistan, with which it shares an 843-mile-long border. The Taliban at the time were sweeping across the country of Afghanistan. It was like we didn't know that. July 5th, you know, we didn't know that, but they were sweeping across the country because they knew the United States is going to be out. They're going to leave August 31st, so we got to start taking the country back. You don't think that Putin and his minions were watching all this happen and they were shaking, he was shaking his head, watching that the U.S. wasn't doing anything. They weren't making any plans. plans. They weren't pulling people out. They weren't pulling out military. They weren't pulling out billions of dollars of military infrastructure, weapons, and vehicles, including 40 aircraft vehicles, 40, most of them 
helicopters that the Taliban have. So we heard what Britons think. You just heard what Vladimir Putin thinks. Where is the respect around the globe now for the power of world's number one power, economic and military, the United States of America? Where is that? Gosh, I have no clue. I can't see how anybody would look at us with any measure of respect now. Can you? I mean, when they look at our domestic issues going on now, we have a government that's locking people down that wants to go back to putting people in isolation, forced isolation. And don't think that's a far-fetched idea. We've got a report coming from... um, down under in Australia in just a few minutes, you're not going to believe, you're going to hear the audio and news report of what is going on there, what was going on last night. You're not going to believe what a democratic country on planet Earth is allowing to happen in their nation regarding lockdowns, forcing their citizens to do things and not to do things. Do you know that in Canada, folks, over the last week, None of this is covered in mainstream media in the United States. But in Montreal, Canada, over the weekend, there were riots and demonstrations that involved a half a million Canadians who are lashing back at the egregious lockdowns being forced on Canadians by their government over COVID-19. Similar stuff is happening in Australia. New Zealand, remember? It's a small little country off the southeast coast of Australia. It's not big. They don't have a lot of people. But, you know, it's a a pretty good-sized country. And they've been very aggressive at tackling the COVID problem there. And they actually went to a zero tolerance. If there were any reported cases of COVID in New Zealand... They put the country in total lockdown and kept it that way until that infection was over. They've been doing so good. Last week, one person, one person tested positive on a COVID test. They have totally locked down the entire island nation. New Zealand is in lockdown right now. Big brother. Big brother. Now we've got, we told you, we've got some very, very critical information in the COVID-19 wars and battles here in the United States. And this battle, it's never ending. It's about truth that we're not getting. You heard last week something that never has happened before in U.S. history. The Federal Drug Administration, whenever they're contemplating based on research, findings, testing, all those kind of things, when a new drug or a new procedure is about to become uh, approved, FDA approved, which gives it legitimacy and it triggers a bunch of other things we'll talk about in a moment are going to happen. They never talk about it until, bam, it happened. News media say, just released, the FDA did this. The Biden folks, Dr. Fauci and others, two weeks ago, they began to tease Uh, It looks like the FDA is going to approve the Pfizer vaccination, fully approve it. And that's going to make Americans comfortable enough 
the anti-vaxxers to know now the FDA's approved it. That's the stamp that gives legitimacy to any medical procedure or any medication. Go get vaccinated. They started touting that. And sure enough, August 23rd, the FDA, we were told, gave full approval to Pfizer's vaccine. First one to get it, right? I am handing, I'm in my in my hands, I'm holding the actual release with the specific language of the Food and, Food and Drug, uh, Drug Administration. Here's what it says. Listen very closely. On August 23rd, 2021, having concluded that revising this emergency use authorization, it's abbreviated EUA, that was issued by the FDA previously for use of the BioNTech Manufacturing GMBH for COVID-19 vaccine mRNA. Again, BioNTech, that's Pfizer's product. They issued this emergency use authorization temporary and partial approval for this particular drug. So three days ago, they say after concluding that revising this EUA is appropriate to protect the public health or safety under Section 564G2 of the Act, FDA is reissuing the August 12, 2021 letter of authorization in its entirety with revisions incorporated to clarify that the emergency use authorization will remain in place for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for the previously authorized indication and uses. Now, what does that mean in EUA? That does not mean, folks, that the FDA is saying anybody can just go out and use it. Just know that it's still not totally approved, but the testing makes it look like everything's okay. And because we have emergency COVID cases around the nation that are rising, we're going to let the emergency use be authorized, the EUA. But it's supposed to be used only under the care, the direct care of a physician or institution, hospital in other words. What that meant was your doctor Your doctor now has authority if the doctor decides, based upon your specific medical conditions, that it's okay for you to take it and he wants to give it, he or she wants to give it to you, they're authorized by the FDA to do it on a temporary basis. Now, what I just read you is not what we heard from the media all week long and not what you're hearing from the media today. Listen to what I'm telling you. That Pfizer BioNT COVID-19 vaccine is not approved by the FDA. Now they did some wordsmithing here. You're not going to believe this, folks. What nobody told us was at the same time Pfizer has been working on another vaccination and its name is Comer Comernetti. C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y, Comernady, 
COVID-19 vaccine. What they did, folks, they approved this Comirnaty vaccine, fully approved it. Now, what's the big deal about that, Dan? They're barely using it. It also had an EUA for a period of time. And when you went and got a Pfizer vaccine, we all we all were told there's one Pfizer vaccine. BioNTech. There were two. There were two that were still being tested. And both of them were issued with EUAs, emergency use authorization. But the second one, the, the one you hadn't heard about it, the one I just told you, Comirnaty, COVID-19 vaccine under the EUA for certain uses that are not included in the approved BLA. So here's what's going on, folks. And they said in this, in this release, the two, now this is the FDA saying this, the two are interchangeable. But the BioNTech, the one that they have injected in the arms of millions of people worldwide, actually, is still not FDA approved. But the other one is. And the two, they say, are interchangeable. Now, what's at the bottom of this? What have I told you? What have we told you always here at TNN? Follow the money. When a medicine is in emergency use authorization status, the drug company is indemnified of any liability. In other words, any adverse reactions that happen from that medicine, anybody dies, it creates any problems that turn into whatever they turn into, the federal government indemnifies that drug company from any financial liability. So the BioNTech, as you know, we've tracked the adverse reactions to these vaccinations as published by the CDC, by the way. We give you the numbers. 20,000 roughly people have died. Most of them that have died are from the Pfizer BioNTech vaccination. So what does that mean, Dan? That means that anybody that had any issue with those, I'm talking about the really bad uh, the bad uh, reactions that we've told you about, including everything from miscarriages, heart attacks, myocarditis, pericarditis, permanently disabled, thrombocytopenia, any of those kind of things. If it happened and it came from a vaccination of the BioNTech Pfizer. Pfizer has no liability, no culpability. The United States government covers them. So they approved the other one. Now, what does that mean? That means any reaction that anybody has to that new one, if you take it, the new Pfizer, that it's really not new, it's been out there, they're just not telling anybody. The COMIRNATY vaccine If you take that and you have a reaction because it's now fully FDA approved, Pfizer's liable for any of the financial fallout, the culpability for any of that because it's their drug. 
But then the FDA says the two are interchangeable. What they're doing is telling Pfizer, eh, if I was you, I wouldn't give that new one, the C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y vaccine. I'd stick with that BioNTech one. Because if people have adverse reactions from that, you're not going to be liable. But because we're telling the world the Pfizer vaccine is fully approved by the FDA, everybody's going to go get vaccinated now, feeling comfortable that everything's okay, that the FDA finally said, here's the green stamp, the thing that matters the most, the gold recommendation by the most knowledgeable, the most reputable federal government medical entity on the planet, the Federal Drug and Administration, uh, Federal Drug Administration, that everything's okay. The last numbers that we got from the VAERS website on adverse reactions from our vaccines, the last one we have in total ended on July the 30th. Deaths. Listen to these numbers. 12,374 total deaths reported from around the nation to the CDC, which means, according to the CDC, many more died. Those are just the ones that were reported. Now, the breakdown of those deaths, the Janssen, the Johnson & Johnson, 658. Moderna, 3,167. Unknown. In other words, they don't know which manufacturer vaccinated the people. 38. Guess how many deaths are attributed to that Pfizer BioNTech vaccination? 8,511. By far the greatest number. That's deaths only. So what does that mean? That means Pfizer has no liability for any of that. Anybody that had a problem that took that vaccine, we hate it for you here at Pfizer. You know, we stepped out on the limb. We spilt, We spent millions and millions and millions of dollars in research to get this thing to the marketplace to protect all of you. We've done our best. So the taxpayer is going to step in. Oh, by the way, the taxpayer is going to pay for all these vaccines. That's why Pfizer has made billions of dollars in profit last year, as did Moderna, as did Johnson & Johnson. Meanwhile, people are rushing to get the Pfizer vaccination. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network. It's O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O'Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, 
the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. When fake news threatens the fabric of the nation, you have a choice. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Yeah, we're digging for truth. We're trying to find it. And um, there are people around the world that are right there beside us doing the same thing. It, it, it's really amazing to me that every day we're getting real news information from real medical professionals from all around the world, not just the U.S., out of Europe, out of Asia, uh, even out of um, Israel. And it's stuff that we're not hearing from our mainstream medical experts like Dr. Anthony Fauci. And, of course, the narrative goes, if any of these people, these independent, not government-related or government-controlled medical authorities, if they give us information, instantly the go-to thing for the experts, the so-called experts, is just to diminish the credibility of anybody who thinks opposite of what they think. So here we are, world citizens, not just U.S. citizens, but world citizens. What are we supposed to think? Who are we supposed to trust? What are we supposed to believe and what are we not supposed to believe? And we can't get to the bottom of that. We struggle, and we have what we think are the answers, the correct answers. But we don't have solid answers. But what's happening every day, folks, a little bit of the uh, layers of confusion, the layers of deception are being peeled back by a consensus of people who have had enough and are doing everything that they possibly can do to get the truth out to people so at least people can take the things that they are telling us that are true and put them beside the stuff that we're hearing from these so-called experts and determine for ourselves what things are true. Now, I told you about what's going on in New Zealand. They're totally locked down again. But folks, in Australia, I mean, it's turned into tyranny of the Australian government. And I'm I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that. Uh, A report came out overnight that we grabbed off the internet, a very lengthy report. We edited it down because I wanted you to hear some of the people that are involved and some of the news information and reporters are giving live on the streets from Australia about what the government is doing through their police force nationwide. Australia is a big, 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 big country geographically way bigger than the United States and across the country, they're seeing actual tyranny by law enforcement there. The harshest of lockdown restrictions kicked in from midnight in these 12 local government areas in South 
West and Western Sydney. Masks are now mandatory wherever you go. There are simply no excuses. The only time you can be seen without a mask is when you're doing vigorous exercise and you're only allowed to exercise for one hour a day. That curfew is in place between 9pm and 5am, so nobody should be moving around. From midnight tonight, a curfew will come into play for residents in 12 Sydney LGAs where COVID cases continue to surge. Office Works here behind me has just closed its doors to customers. It certainly was busy this afternoon, though, with people arriving to make last-minute purchases. Hardware stores in those hot spots are also being forced to close. However, Bunnings has gone one step further and announced it will be closing the doors of all its retail outlets in Greater Sydney to members of the general public. As of midnight, there will be tougher restrictions for those 12 LGAs. There will be a curfew coming into place from 9pm until 5am. People will only be allowed to exercise for an hour a day. ...at the CBD to express their frustration uh, at this current lockdown. And there you go. We have some protesters there trying to break through the police line. We've got mounted police also trying to stop the demonstration from going ahead. As for the rest of the state, well, from midnight, you will have to wear a mask when outdoors unless you are exercising. Cross over! Everyone, go across the border! Cross over! They cannot arrest all of us! There's little sympathy for anyone ignoring the health orders. Even this group of teenagers caught partying after dark at the bottom of the North Bondi Cliffs. Herded to higher ground by Polair's spotlight and speaker, the eight boys were placed in handcuffs and left to explain a $1,000 fine to mum. These rioters are clashing with police. Now, police have said that they are out in full force to try to deter uh, people from attending this anti-lockdown protest that's currently going through Melbourne's CBD, as you can see there, police. It's getting harder and harder to hide if you're doing the wrong thing, especially in the construction industry. A crackdown following on from the recent shutdown. Workers sent home if their paperwork isn't in check. Inspectors have asked these tradesmen to show proof of their QR check-in as well as identification and vaccination records. One of the men here is from Campsie and he doesn't have his documentation, so he's being sent home. He may lose a chunk of his pay too if officers follow through with a fine. Folks, that is, that's not in some third world country. That's coming out of Australia, actually coming out of Sydney, Australia, which is a major metropolis. Very sophisticated, very contemporary, very knowledgeable. And the Australian government has its people under tyrannical control now. And it's based on vaccinations for COVID-19. I don't want to ever scare anybody. I don't want anybody to think that we're trying to uh, control people, control the narrative, control the thought process. But this is really getting out of hand and very quickly. Listen to this one. A high school in Washington State is set today to require its student-athletes to wear coronavirus 
proximity detectors regardless of the athlete's vaccination status. Parents were informed by the Eatonville School District that the school had received grant funding which would allow administrators to track by mandating that players and staff wear detectors. If a student or coach tests positive, we will have immediate information regarding athletes and coaches' contacts so we can more tightly determine who might need to quarantine. That comes from the Eatonville School District Superintendent Gary Neal. Now, the New York Post said this in a story this morning. The monitors, which are required for moderate and high-contact indoor sports, contain radio-based sensors that track distance between people wearing them. But district officials insist student-athletes aren't being traced while they're off the field. However, despite the school district's assurances that devices will only be worn during practices and games, parents object to both putting tracking devices on their kids and being forced to sign consent forms for their kids to be able to play. One parent said, I was notified if I didn't sign it, they couldn't play. A parent who has a son on the school's football team. I signed it, but I did so reluctantly. It's either that or he doesn't play. Above all, they're putting tracking devices on my kid, the father said. He plans to have the children get vaccinated, even though it goes against his better judgment, because vaccinated students who test positive can simply resume playing sports more quickly than unvaccinated players after their first negative test. The vaccine? Now be tracked when you're at practice, he said. Where does this end? I feel like this is an experiment on our kids to see how much we can put them through before they start breaking. So the school district, after all the noise, the initial noise about this hit the fan, they're delaying the implementation of the mandate as they gather additional feedback from the parents. Now you may be saying, well, Washington, you know, Washington state, it's a very leftist, very liberal state. Yeah, it is. But I don't think this nation, I don't think this nation is a very far left nation. I think that if anything, politically, this nation is so close to right down the middle, it would shock everybody if we knew. In fact, I think it's leaning conservative. And primarily because the big lefty states and people live on the coast. On the East Coast, it's New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey. On the West Coast, California, Oregon, Washington. And then there are spatterings throughout the central part of the nation, like the states of Illinois, as an example, that are left-leaning. But the most of the rest of the country are very right down the middle in thinking on pretty much everything. This is sounding to me more and more every day, like our government is testing us. Rand Paul, senator from Kentucky, he actually said this. It appears to him that our government is very stealthily over a period of years now, beginning back, I guess, after 9-11, is beginning to see just how much of our liberties and freedom 
Americans are willing to voluntarily give up in the name of protecting us. Think about it. Protecting us from COVID-19. This is not a bunch of private companies that went out when they heard there was this horrible virus that's going around. So we're in business to help people and we can make some money when we do that. So let's go crank up our research operations and find a way, find a vaccination or whatever to take this thing on. It didn't happen that way. Typically in healthcare, in medicine, in pharmacy, that's the way it works. Not so much now. This whole thing was initiated by people in our government, by the National Institutes of Health, Centers for Disease Control, Federal Drug Administration, and the likes of people like Dr. Anthony Fauci. More than a healthcare operation to this guy, to me, it just sounds like this is a giant execution of trying to take control, more and more control, to take away the individual rights that are guaranteed in our first 10 amendments and cede that control to our federal government. With that, of course, comes any of these operations that we're going to do for you as a government. You've got to pay us to do it because we have to have money to do this. And so taxes go up. They seize more and more control of infrastructure, more and more control of law enforcement, more and more control of the military, more and more control of the political process. And though these far lefties, and far left I'm talking about, you start at the middle of the Democrat Party and just take off to the left. Everybody down that road, they're the folks that want this government to bear more and more responsibility and more and more control over the American people. And they do it by telling us they can do it better than can we. We used to determine that, folks, specifically in elections. Americans always had the right to control who was in government by expressing our opinions of who is most qualified and better to do all these things by voting for and against people. But now there is no question about it. Nobody that is reasonable, nobody that is truthful can say that all elections are fair in this nation. They're not. There is egregious cheating that's going on. And every, every month, more and more evidence comes up of massive cheating that has gone on. And yet our government, they continue to work to keep all that hidden. Why would they do that? The only plausible explanation I can come up with is for more power, more control. Just some things to think about. Let me tell you another little thing that popped up over in Israel, a great medical community on planet Earth. Could a simple drug that's been on the market for decades, is there one out there that could successfully treat COVID-19? Well, remember this, the very early one that uh, was touted and worked a lot, and of course these government sycophants jumped all over again to keep it out of the public conversation was hydroxychloroquine that's been around since the 1950s 
to handle some autoimmune problems that Americans have had. And it's done so very, very effectively. One of them is lupus. I have a, I have a friend, a good friend of my wife, who has taken hydroxychloroquine for the purpose of lupus for 40 years, very effectively. And it appears more and more, although nobody will admit it, that COVID-19 is an autoimmune disease or an infection, virus, if you will. And it should work. There's another drug out there, ivermectin, that's been used on your animals, your dogs, your cattle, your pigs, for years. And it works against the COVID-19 virus, but yet they poop on and they tell people, don't you dare use it. There are warnings that are coming out, although it's been very effective, even being used in humans for decades. Israeli scientists now have the results of two clinical trials to back up claims that a research team there found a drug on the market since 1975 can reduce the threat of COVID-19 to the same level of a threat of common cold. A professor who's the director of Alexander Grass Center for Bioengineering at Hebrew University of Jerusalem and his research team made a significant breakthrough in understanding how the coronavirus reproduces in our lungs. We all know Doctors have told us that is where the COVID-19 virus attacks us at, in our lungs. And here's what the professor said. Viruses are parasites. They can't replicate on their own. They're essentially a box of protein with a single strand of genetic material inside. In order to make more viruses, you've got to get inside human cells. This doctor who worked together with Dr. Benjamin Tenoidler at New York's Mount Sinai Medical Center saw how the virus prevents the routine burning of carbohydrates in the lungs and that causes fat to accumulate. When they saw that, it led them to screen some drugs that could block the virus, not by targeting the virus itself, but by going after fat accumulation. In other words, inflammation. That led them to the lipid-lowering drug called Tricor. It's phenofibrate. It's an effective antiviral showing it both reduced lung cell damage by helping the cells burn fat, and suddenly, guess what happens? The virus reproduction stops, totally stops. So they did some trials. Obviously, you're going to do that. You've got to if you're ever going to get anything out in the general public. Well, during the first trial, patients who were taking the drugs to speed up the breakdown of fats were recovering from the COVID-caused lung infections in just a matter of days. The evidence even showed that there was zero mortality among the patients that were in the test. Nobody died. So now the Hebrew University team is reporting promising results of an investigator-initiated interventional open-label clinical study. That's a long word by saying they're talking about doing something over the counter. 15 COVID patients hospitalized in severe condition with pneumonia and requiring oxygen 
were treated with this drug Tricor for 10 days. The results were astounding, the doctor said. Progressive inflammation markers that are the hallmark of deteriorative COVID-19 dropped within 48 hours. Moreover, 14 of the 15 severe patients didn't require oxygen support within a week of treatment, while historical records show that the vast majority of severe patients treated with the standard of care require lengthy respiratory support. The doctor stressed there are no silver bullets, but he said phenofibrate is much safer than other proposed drugs, and its mechanism of action makes it less likely to be variant-specific. All the patients were discharged in less than a week after the treatment began, and they continued 10-day treatment at home with no drug-related adverse events. Further, fewer patients reported COVID-19 side effects during their four-week follow-up. They, of course, said more studies are needed to be conducted, and they are actively recruiting patients for two phase three studies, uh, studies already being conducted in South America and the USA. Haven't heard about this, have you? You know why you have it? Pfizer, Moderna, eh, they're not involved in it. Neither is Johnson & Johnson. Doctors are involved in it. Doctors. And unless and until these doctors start looking at the dollar signs and sell themselves out, It's going to be tested the way it's supposed to be tested, and it's going to be covered the way in the media it's supposed to be covered. And maybe, oh, maybe, we just found another way to beat this thing. We've got to take one more break today, but when we come back, you and I are going to have a short conversation. I'm going to talk to you about what the heck is going on with our leadership at the top. Where is our government? Where is the Biden administration? Where is President Joe Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris. Where are they in their thinking about all this craziness? Got some thoughts for you. You don't want to miss this. Back in a moment at TNN Live. Man, I dig inner monologues. Hello, hello. hello. Oh, look, a filet of fish just sitting here in my mind being all delicious. Hey. That's my sandwich. What? How did you get in my inner monologue? Doors open. Give it back. Man, get your own invisible sandwich. Any day is a great day for a filet of fish sandwich. And right now at McDonald's, you can get two filet of fish sandwiches for only $3.33. For a limited time only, prices of participation may vary. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society the wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding rental and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. 
So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, your place needs furniture. And at this sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. Talking about this pharma company, big, 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 big profits. James Posey just sent me a text and he reminded me the number $38 billion profits by Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. So far. So far. And you know they only have one customer. You're kidding. Who's the one customer? You are. The United States taxpayers. The government's paying for all of this. You don't pay for a COVID-19 vaccination. You go get it. The government pays for it. 100%. $38 billion. So as we leave today, let me ask you a question. What's going on? What do you think is actually happening out there? What's our government up to? Is this the best we could do? I'm talking about president, vice president. Is what we are seeing coming out of Washington really what American Democrats voted for last November? I know it's who they voted for, but is it what they voted for? We got a Congress that's hell-bent on one thing and one thing only. And that's not crafting legislation for any American. Their work in this legislative session has been exclusively about rushing to get measures passed that are going to be certain to cement a Democrat majority in both houses of Congress forever. While they're doing that, they're taxing and spending our great, 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 great grandchildren into poverty. And they do it all for the cause of, as they say, investing in our nation, investing in our infrastructure. No, they're not talking about roads and bridges, folks. Their definition of infrastructure skips right by the roads and bridges thing and jumps on the backs of what they call social infrastructure. So what the heck is that? Well, being the smart guy that knows where to go to get definitions of the Gen Xers terminology, I did just that. And I still don't know what it means. You decide. Here's the official definition of social infrastructure. Social infrastructure is a subset of the infrastructure sector and typically includes assets that accommodate social services. Examples of social infrastructure assets include schools, universities, hospitals, prisons, community housing. Social infrastructure does not typically extend to the provision of those social services, such as the provision of teachers at a school or custodial services at a prison. You got that? I really get it now. (laughs) But for those who don't quite rise to the level of wokeness that's necessary to comprehend what that all means, let me dumb it down. Social infrastructure is real infrastructure, they say, that adds on all the egregious and nasty spending poor projects for legislators that wouldn't get passed if they were standalone pieces of 
legislation. And they include real infrastructure items plus a whole bunch more. Congress doesn't have time to put together details of these spending bills, then send them to the appropriate committees to be analyzed, discuss them, debate them. In committee hearings, folks, they go there, these bills do, every bill does, to examine specific pieces. When they held committee hearings on legislation, that's what they did. They formally had a process called regular order. They had witness testimony about the pros and cons of each bill. Hearings included introduction of amendments, committee approval process, and then if they passed out a committee, they'd go to the floor of the House for more discussion, more debate, more amendments, and then finally, the voting process. Some brain surgeon in Congress two decades ago figured out the American people don't care about the X's and O's of legislation. So they decided it'd be good to just throw these 2,000-page bills to the public 24 hours before voting on the floor of the House. Don't dare ask them any questions. They don't have time for such menial tasks. So how do they justify it? There are more important things for them to do. Same thing that's happening in the White House. Nobody should be surprised what we've seen from Joe Biden in the previous seven months. He's always been that way. And he told us in campaign that's what he was going to do. And he's doing it. He cowered to terrorists when he was vice president and handled the first Iraq pullout. It was so devastating three years later, we had to go back into Iraq. And here we are in Afghanistan, and he's doing the same thing. Do we really deserve this, folks? Is this what you voted for? No. Nobody voted for it, but that's what we have. What are we going to do? What can we do? I don't know, folks. we got to find a way to dig out. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for being here every day. Don't forget, we're back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. TNN Live. Thank you. Have a great Thursday. We'll see you for Friday to wrap up our week tomorrow. I'll see you then. Sitting there and feeling lonely Had my blue eyes for you only Suddenly you turned around and smiled at me It wasn't my imagination Had no doubts, no hesitation When it comes to love and know Like this